Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Russ M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 7, 2022. Today we are reading from the big book and more about alcoholism. Page 33, the second paragraph, young people may be encouraged, ending with, as though who had been drinking 20 years. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Janice P.M., 12 Traditions, Nancy R., Start reading the text is Barbara E., page 164 is Anne Marie M., our newcomer greeter is Christina L., and second hour host is Nancy C. So we have the reference numbers from yesterday, Thursday, October 6th. 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,488-19488. The 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 19,489-19489. The OA Preamble. A Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There's no de- that there are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Our OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice P.M. to read the 12 steps. Yes, thank you so much, Russ M., for your service. This is Janice P.M., a recovered compulsive overeater. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve 
our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thanks, Janice. Appreciate that. Up with the 12 traditions is Nancy R. Thank you. Thank you so much, Russ M. Uh, I am Nancy R., a compulsive overeater in New York. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trust and servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any facility to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but... We may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much for letting me do this terrific service, and I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on directions for, for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and nurture we are discussing, that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for moderators. Uh, a requirement for sharing a topic. I'm sorry, mine got confused there. All right. The meeting does request that you, your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone should 
except the speaker should be muted. So today we're starting back in uh, more about alcoholism. The, uh, page 33, the second paragraph, young people may be encouraged through an ending as though as those who had been drinking for 20 years. And then we're just reading that one paragraph. And I've asked Barbara E. to start us off today. Good morning, everyone. I'm saying those famous words. Can you hear me? Perfect. Oh, good. Russ, thank you for your service and everyone here who's participating in my recovery today. Page 33, young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who've been drinking 20 years. Well, this paragraph reminds me of an old movie about a young couple who meet, fall in love, and marry. And the man encourages his young wife, Lee Remick, to try a sweet alcoholic drink with him. And soon their lives spiral into disaster. As a result of taking the first drink, the young wife becomes a confirmed alcoholic, unable to stop. Well, I think the point of my telling you all this is that you don't have to be too young to be permanently affected by this disease that can kill us. And I know I would have been insulted as a young person if someone said to me, you have an allergy and a mental twist that will always send you back to the food, because I really thought I could do it on my own, and I really didn't think I wanted to stop quite yet. Well, the different programs I tried proved I could lose weight and was now told I could eat in moderation, but that was just not possible for me. A sliver became a slice, became a slab, and eventually a slob. When I finally got to Overeaters Anonymous, I knew I found a home. People who thought like me, who ate like me, and that only time would be the great convincer. That I really needed a spiritual connection. I needed more than just willpower to direct me. I needed this textbook. I needed a sponsor to guide me. I needed the fellowship to support me if I wanted to remain recovered. I know I woke up today an untreated addict, and I'll wake up again tomorrow, one, too. But I found the tools, the steps, and my own personal God that I believe in, and I'm so glad that they've encouraged, in, included stories of young people in the back of the book so they could identify at an earlier age and perhaps be encouraged to save them from a life of misery and vain attempts. You know the old analogy, there were three frogs sitting on a log. One made a decision to jump 
how many frogs were left? Three, because that frog just made a decision. When it, it didn't take the action that was needed to jump. And that's what I had to do. I had to take the action that was needed to jump. I had to take that leap of faith and jump off the log. You and I today are the same. We just have just different names. Every action, every good deed has the power to change the world. What will I do today with this wonderful opportunity? If I forget to connect with my higher power, who moved? Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Now we're going to open up the line for sharing on uh, page 33, the second paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask you to limit your share every third day so others can share their experience too. So if you uh, shared yesterday or Wednesday, please step back and allow someone else to get their shot. Who would like to share on this? Anne-Marie M. Loretta H. Janice P. Janice. Reva P. Reva. Who else? Karen W. Karen. Jackie A. Jackie. Uh, that's a pretty good list. So Anne Marie M, Loretta H, Janice P M, Reva P, Karen W, and Jackie A. You're up, Anne Marie. Good morning. Good morning, Russ. Thank you. This is Anne Marie M in South Carolina. Recovered through God's grace um, and by doing the work of the twelve steps in Overeaters Anonymous. I can identify that with uh, being young and not really wanting to stop, I I was a I I quickly became a um, compulsive overeater. I don't know if it's that I became. I'm not sure. I think that I was one when I was was born. And I I know that there are people that drink that were social drinkers for years and years and then become alcoholics and I know people that have been able to eat you know normally and all of a sudden you know they they weren't able to stop that's that was not my case the first time I ate compulsively that I remember was when I was about about eight years old and I felt uncomfortable. I felt unease, uneasy, and I went to the cupboard for some cookies. And I remember feeling comfortable. I remember the comfort it gave me. It was so it was strange for me at that time, but I felt comfortable. I didn't. You know, I don't remember what the cookies tasted like. That wasn't important to me. What I was seeking at that time was some some ease and comfort. Some um reassurance i think and the food gave me that at the beginning it did it worked you know it it, it was my solution for for quite a while 
and um, until it, I, I couldn't stop after a while. You know, I couldn't stop. And, th you know, there was a time when I wanted, I really, really wanted to stop, but the disease had gotten me. And now I know that once the disease had me, I, I, I couldn't do it on my own. I had to get a power greater than myself. And I'm just so grateful that I found these rooms, um, the rooms of a vision for you in particular, but rooms that studied the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because this is where the solution is. God is the solution. It wasn't any kind of diet that I tried. I tried so many different things. And what I learned was my, it's not God. I have to correct that. It's my relationship with God. I always believed that there was a God, but it's my relationship with God that gets me through each and every day that has removed the obsession. It's because I tried to reach out to God and he was there. Just He just had his hands waiting out for me. So I think I got uh, off the topic, but um, I'm going to pass with that. Thanks. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Next up is Loretta H. Fall by Janice P.M. Thank you, Russ, and thank you, everyone on this line, along with my precious God, who saved my life, Loretta H., recovered in North Carolina. I want to focus in on the but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking for 20 years. I did not come in as a young person. I came in as an old, 54. But I have had the wonderful honor of sponsoring people who came in very young and have seen what I did not get um, in my youth. You know, I've seen them have babies. I've seen them get married because of this program. And this is where, and it says here, helpless. Well, we're not helpless. The dash in the first step is hopeless and that we need a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity. And sometimes in the beginning, I just bring that light in. And that's what is so amazing about this program. And I also wanna thank the first chair because I use that movie sometimes to um, send to my sponsees because it's the greatest, greatest movie on addiction. And the woman actually starts out, she doesn't like alcohol, and he gives her a box of chocolates. And that's how she starts drinking is because um, she likes chocolate and he makes a drink out of chocolate. There for the grace of God go I. So, um yeah, addiction is so powerful. And if you um, come in and believe that you can recover, you can recover at any time. But you need to do the work and you need to believe that it's not you that can do this, that it's something beyond human aid. And so I, you know, I'm so happy that young people come in. And a lot of them I call my fake daughters because there's have such wonderful lives today. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Loretta. Next up is Janice P.M., and then we're going to have Reva P. after her. Well, thank you again, my dear um, Roxanne. This is Janice uh, P.M., and I am a grateful, recovered 
compulsive overeater. Yes, I, I love this because, oh, boy, can I relate to it. When I was young, many decades ago, um, we, we had a bakery, and I lived upstairs from the bakery. What a position, huh? What a circumstance for a compulsive overeater at age eight. Well, my thinking, this is where it, I mean, honestly, I said to myself, yeah, I have, you know, I eat, I love the sugars and flowers, and, you know, I promised myself I'm a little heavier, I felt always inadequate, and, you know, as a cheerleader, I said, but, you know, I can stop when I want to and if I want to with my pride, right, at a young age. I'll regain control. That was always, I'll be able to do it. I'll regain control. Things will be different when I want to. I can do it on my own willpower because I did a lot of things on my own willpower. So I can stop. You know, that's what I really thought. But little did I know that I didn't have the choice, a choice. Um, I didn't have the power whether whether I would eat or not. I thought that I can do it. I, I, I. But of course, I didn't know that as a youngster that I had the phenomenon of craving then, just once. If we have the phenomenon of craving just one time, not the desire to eat a little bit too much one time, because uh, that would be a non-compulsive overeater. Oh yeah, but not me. When I had the craving, I could not stop. So therefore, at that very young age, especially in high school, thinking that, oh, yeah, I can stop, um, I am one of you. I am one of us. Um, And, you know, I didn't really want to stop for good at all. I didn't want to stop for good. I'd stop because I wanted to get a boyfriend or I wanted to lose weight. You know, I didn't know when I was young that I was unable to stop and stay stopped. I didn't know all this. You know, this is why it's, you know, I just wish, you know, of course, that they would have, you know, on uh, for young people. Because I figured I had plenty of time to stop when I got older if I wanted to. So what does that show me? The insane thinking dominated my life all the time when it came to food. I'll do it. I didn't know that I didn't have the power. I didn't know that it was a craving that I could stop, but I couldn't and it start again. Didn't know all that stuff. So you know, I'll stop when I want to. And, uh, of course, you know, that didn't happen. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. All right, before Reva's up, if you jumped on the meeting a little later, we are on page 33. The second paragraph, young people may be encouraged. And we're going to just read that paragraph, one paragraph. So Reva P. is up. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, I don't know about old, young. I don't think this disease, from what I've seen, discriminates whether I'm old, young, married, not married, like it crosses all, all, all spectrums. Um, but what strikes me the most today is the words stopping on my own willpower and the peculiar mentor, mental twist. So 
I think in the paragraphs above, it's talking about the physical allergy and reminding me that no matter how long I've been abstinent, if I pick up my allergic foods, ingredients, behaviors, I'm going to get that phenomenon of craving. It doesn't matter how long I've abstained from the physical allergy. But here it's reminding me that even when I'm abstinent, it's like if I'm untreated, I can't tolerate abstinence. My mind starts twisting. My mind starts giving me these lies um, that I need it. Um, I need some energy so the food will help. I need to calm down so the food will help. And more than that, the mental twist of I'm really pissed off at somebody, so I need to binge at them. Or I'm really sad and this will comfort me. Um, like it's just totally twisted. Like I can picture something getting twisted. It's like in the opposite direction. And my mind goes 180 degrees to these lies that drive me to pick up the substance. And what also um, strikes me this morning is, you know, self-will and the twist of my defects and thinking I can will myself out of anger or I can will myself out of fear um, or rationalize. Um, and this is such a great reminder that the only way to deal with the mental twist is to have this power. Um, it's not anything to do with my mind. Um, the whole chapter is about my mind can't help my mind. Um, and that's the whole point of the steps. So I can access this power. So when I think I'm justified and I get that twist that if I yell at my husband, you know, I'm going to get what I want, or I'm going to tell my kids what they did wrong um, so they'll appreciate me more, like I'm in real trouble um, and I can't will myself out of those thoughts. It's the thoughts that make me crazy that will eventually get me to pick up the food. So I'm so grateful for the reminder that I need the steps which basically unblock me to this power. So I'm not this crazy woman all twisted. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva. Next up is Karen W. followed by Jackie A. Good morning, this is Karen W. from Katy, Texas, a recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be here. Um, the sentence that popped out at me is because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, and I'd wrote insanity there in the sideline. And um, it, yeah, I started eating at an early age, and my mother put me on the amphetamines in the 60s in high school, and I had typing class in my fingers and my brain. I couldn't keep up with it. It didn't work for me. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, then I started drinking, and I didn't know I was already looking for a solution to fix the food problem. So it was alcohol, drugs, smoking, men, shopping, um, and, you know, none of that fixed it. And I got all those, uh, all that recovery. But I still had the food issue. I couldn't conquer the food issue. And I did, you know, every diet in the book and got my stomach stapled. And it still was not, I couldn't get it. And I was stubborn, so stubborn. And finally, uh, it you know, I feel like it was a miracle. God entered my heart 
and brought me to vision and uh, you fellows that helped me so tremendously to finally open my eyes and open my mind and my heart and let God take care of me because I couldn't do it. I was in so much pain. I couldn't do it. And it takes what it takes to get where we are. And I only have this 24 hours and I'm so grateful to start my mornings with this meeting. Uh, It sets me on the right track and I don't go to that cliff like I used to and jump off and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Karen. So next up is Jackie A. And then we're going to take another list. Hi, everybody. Good morning, OA Fellowship. Um, this is Jackie A. from Connecticut. And I like where it says young people may be encouraged by this man's experience. So I was a deserter and returner of OA. I came to OA as the result of another group. It was another 12, uh, it wasn't 12 step, it was another step fellowship. And I went to that and I was in a room full of 26 people that all were talking openly about their addictions. And there wasn't much spirituality in it. It was very clinical. But what came out of that conversation was what people had turned their lives over to to heal. So I think I was 25 or 26. I think I was 26 and um, 26, 27. And I started going to my first OA meeting in Thomaston, Connecticut, and it was four women. And I was, again, in my mid-20s, and the women there were in their 60s and 70s. And I went to four in-person live big book meetings on Monday nights. And I remember surrendering at that time two and a half pounds of a five-pound bag of peanuts in the back of my car to a nun. And I asked her to walk with me to the dumpster. And I remember that as being like one of the highlights. And then I never went back. And I I destroyed myself with food for another six years. And I tried to um, eat somewhat abstinently and, of course, do it myself. And that didn't work. And um, And then I got brought to my knees, you know, close to eight, eight years later. Um, by a person who happened to be younger. My ex happened to be two and a half years younger than I was. So he was 31. And at the time, I was 33, 34. And so I just, I look at this as like, am I still young? Well, I'm not 21 anymore. I'm not a teenager anymore. But I've just passed like, you know, the third of my life stage, hopefully. And so I mean, it could have been it could have been half my life. I really could have passed away earlier than 70. I could have passed away by 50. I don't know if, what's going to happen the rest of the day. But I look at this as, like, where my self-will is, is still, it, it's, a, it's not just, like, a chair riot and, like, a lock treatment facility type of thing. It's, like, my personality can be a riot. My will is part of that. And I just have to turn everything over in, like, a third step and seventh step to God. And every time I do a 10th or an 11th, I'm just like, do you hear me? I'm not mine. I'm yours. Like, that's how I have to talk to God constantly because who I am now is different than what I was. But 
I'm not that different anymore. So I guess what I'm trying to say. I, I like where it says like we might stop. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Jackie. Appreciate it. So we are in more about alcoholism. Reading page 33, the second paragraph. Young people may be encouraged. We're just reading that paragraph. And if you shared the past couple of days, um, please step back now. Others get their chance to share. Who would like to share on this? Christina J. Barbara J. Katie G. I heard Barbara. Darian K. Linda B. Christina J. Linda. Christina. Geneva P. Geneva. Trisha C. And Trisha, let's let's go with that. And then I miss, I know I miss people. I'm not going front like I didn't. I'm sorry about that. Only got two years. I'm not great with the hearing. Um, okay, sorry about that. Katie G, Barbara Barbara G, Darren K, Linda. I didn't get the initial. Chris, Christina J, Geneva P. I think Trisha P. Hopefully, we'll have time for everybody. Katie G, you're up, sister. Hey, bro. Thanks for taking the meeting. So good to hear you. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. I'm recovered from anorexia and exercise bulimia. And uh, thanks be to God, I've put on 10 pounds since last year. You know, the first question I have is, why am I encouraged? <laughs> like, why? Like, what is it that I would be encouraged about with his story, right? Like, he's in short time as fat as ever. So that's like the first delusion that I see. Um, you know, I have to say, like, I remember last year um, being dishonest and exercising bulimically and people, you know, asking me about it. And, um, and I didn't want to stop. Like, I wanted to stop, but I didn't want to stop. Like, I couldn't see the devastation. Like, when I get really sick, when I start lying, right, it's like our friend says, it's putting a, a sign on our hand, our head, or, excuse me, on my heart, my head, and it says, God, do not enter. And um, and so I, I couldn't see all the devastation that was going on in my family. And my peculiar mental twist thinks that um, – I can win out, that I can fight this, that self-reliance won't fail me. Like I was getting something. Um, and the thing is, like, I, I have ceased fighting today. Um, and the, um, the amazing thing I thought is, like, I, I don't fight today, right, as a recovered woman who's restored this weight, thanks be to God. And there's one thing, as our friend taught us the other day, like, I will never be immune from flour, sugar, or exercise bulimia, or getting on the scale compulsively. I will never be immune. But what gives me immunity for today is intensive work with others. So if you're on this line and you're eating or you're 90 pounds and you can't see that it's destroying your life but you're in pain, there is hope. There's so much hope. I want you to know that. And I also want to say that, um, you know, with my character defects, like I don't want to stop. Like, so for example, yesterday my mom let me know she's not coming and uh, to visit and um, really wanted her to come because I want her to take care of me because I have two children and my husband's going on a trip and I decided to get a puppy. Real world problems, right, Katie? Like, 
And then my mom tells me her partner is really sick and she can't come. And I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop the selfishness. And I knew the right thing. And I got on the phone with her the first time. And I was like, okay, okay. And then thanks be to God, my angels in this room were like, call her back, right? And I called her back and I said, mom, you got to take care of your, your wife. Like, I get it. It's okay. And you know what she said to me? I'm probably coming. Like, this program is unbelievable. And I just want to say, I'll wrap up with this. There's no cure. But the thing is, through intensive work with helping others and living in step 10, where God graciously shows me that I'm wrong and I get to admit it, and most importantly, not lying, I get a life with God. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Katie. Next up is Barbara G, followed by Darren Kay. Hi, Ross. Thanks for the service. And my name is Barbara G uh, from Paris. And uh, I can't stop myself from thinking about uh, um, one specific episode when I read this paragraph. And the episode concerned the day when I realized that I could not stop on my own willpower. And it's a, a minor episode, but it's so important for me because I remember I was, after 18 years of uh, away, uh, eating three times a day, what I used to call moderate meals, whereas in reality they were politically correct binges. Uh, I remember being at the dinner table with a good friend of mine and just I could not get off Barbara we lost you there Barbara star one for me We don't hear anything, Russ, at all. Russ, hit star one. All right, I don't know what happened to Russ, and I don't know what happened to Barbara, but why don't we go ahead and move on to um, Darian Kay. You're up next. Hi there. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay. Hi there. It's Darian Kay from the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Um, grateful to be on the line with all of you today um, in, rec- in recovery. Um, so I, I have a little different take with this. I Well, I mean, it's not that different. I, can't, I did come in early um, in my uh, life. Um, I was 24. Um, but I didn't feel young. And uh, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I felt like I felt like old <laughs> because I had felt I felt like I had gone through a lot by that point. Um, that the disease um, tore me down in many ways um, until 24 years old. You know, with 
being embarrassed in gym class. Oh, so embarrassed and just humiliated, really. Um, you know, not being able to wear the cool clothes, you know, at that time, you know, from the 70s, the painter's pants, the Jordache jeans and the comb in the pocket and all that cool stuff. Um, you know, I just, I felt very uncool and very um, uncomfortable. And um, so, you know, when I came in, I didn't feel grateful that I was coming in so soon. I just felt grateful that I found it, you know, that I found it when I did, that it just happened to be a year before um, I was to get married um, and that I was able to, you know, work a program and be a thin bride and just, you know, have some of the miracles that do happen early in your life. Um, and I also believe, too, that I need it sometimes more now than I did then. I think, I think that, you know, when we're young, we have a little less to worry about <laughs> and be concerned with. And, uh, you know, as we get older, there's, there just seems to be more um, to deal with. And, you know, I just, I'm just so grateful I have this program solid in my life, you know, that it's been, that I've built the foundation and I continue to build on it, um, you know, and listening to the pearls of wisdom from all of you, like I just never know it all. And thank God, and I don't, I hope I never believe that. You know, I love what, you know, people have said many times in the meetings is those three words, I've got this. Very easy to say when you've been around a while. I've got this. I know what to do. My gosh, I've been doing it for blah, blah, blah years, you know. Does not matter. Um, today is the day, and today is the day I need to focus on and do the same thing that I did yesterday to stay abstinent, you know. Why fix what's not broken? Do what I need to do and, uh, you know, do the drill, as they said in the old days, and just be um, be grateful. Be grateful for the things that I have in my life. You know, might not be a million bucks, you know, a house on the ocean, but it is, there are good things in my life. And, um, you know, I just need to appreciate all of those things, um, and I do when I'm abstinent and at peace with uh, the world. And so thank you. Thank you so much, Russ. I appreciate you and um, everyone for doing this meeting. So I pass. Thanks, Darren. Sorry about the technical difficulty. My, uh, my minutes ran out on my phone. All right. Next up is Linda. I didn't get the first initial of your last name. Bob by Christina O. Oh. Uh, Christina J. I'm sorry, Christina J. Sorry about that. Hi, Russ. Uh, I'm Linda D. from Connecticut. Uh, and two minutes ran out on the phone. So I, I'm late being here. But um, what do I want to say? Well, I had a wonderful experience with my uh, not having power in the phone. I actually stopped and said to God, uh, could you show me how to do this? I don't remember. It's this big rigmarole with this um, credit card, this new credit card thing, a debit card. And so um, I felt, who will understand this? And then I find somebody, it just happened to you too. So um, the thing of it is this, I'm self-destructive and I'm very, very good at it. And I was born with a lurking notion, and it didn't go anywhere. And it's right there waiting for me to have one too many blueberries. It's that simple. 
so I have to consider that I probably have two choices, either fear or love. Am I good enough to love me today? Oh, yes, I am. And why am I? Because God told me so. Well, did I make that up? No, no, I didn't make it up, and I'm sure. And I don't have to prove it to anybody. And I just thought I'd offer that to somebody. Maybe it will help somebody to realize, for goodness sake, you're good enough to love yourself. Begin to love yourself. It's very awkward. And if I'm very selfish, somebody will notice. And they will chew me out for it, and I get to apologize. It's only a mistake. Somebody said that recently about their small child that said, go sit and take time out. Exactly right. So I'm going to take time out now, and I'm going to have a, a the best day I possibly can have because I'm going to listen to God like with such intensity because that's my only choice. It's either fear or love. I'm going to love me back to life today so I can love somebody else. And if that sounds selfish, well, I'm sorry, but I don't think it is because I've wasted a lot of time being extremely self-destructive. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate it. Next up is Christina J. followed by Geneva P. Morning, Russ. Morning, everyone. Christina J., North Carolina. I think God's timing is perfect, whether I find it when I'm 15, 30, 50, 60, or even 90. God's timing is perfect. I have no regrets about when I found it. In my 30s, in my 20s and 30s, I was dieting in my 40s because I didn't know how to control this thing. And I, I wanted to stop, but I didn't know how to stop. I was searching every nook and cranny for what was wrong with my brain chemistry that made me want to keep eating these things. I didn't know if I was going to be able to eat them in moderation once I got my brain chemistry right. <clears throat> you know, but uh, I was never able to eat them in moderation. So the diets were the thing for me. And frozen yogurt is a as a treat, a dessert. And I was able to white knuckle and do those things for a long time. But God's timing is perfect. He knew when my soul needed to hit the ground and fall into the hole. He knew when I would be humbled enough to accept this program and do it. And um, I was under a lot of fear the last couple of days because I have this incredible huge task at work. My boss is a real, an interesting person. And God put me in his life for a reason. There's no mistakes. And um, yesterday I prayed in my morning meditation. I said, I need help with this, God. In the past, I would have just forged ahead and bent over backwards and worked my fingers to the bone to try to get this thing done for him. But I said, I need help. I can't do this. I'm only one person. And, you know, I went in yesterday and my boss came out of his office and said, you know what? I think we can extend that project until next Wednesday. I was like, oh, my God. See, if we go to God. So it's the same with the food. It's the same with the emotions. If we go to God and ask for help, if we reach out to the fellows, if we do this program, we can make it through anything. And, um, 
you know, I was overeating my abstinent foods lately and I'm not doing that today. And I'm grateful that I don't have to do that. I'm grateful it didn't trigger the full-blown allergy. It might. It still might. Tomorrow I might wake up thinking, oh, I I don't know. But, you know, you start thinking about other things that aren't healthy, like Debbie's Little Cakes or Hostess Twinkies. And that's shit food. That's shit food. And I haven't had that shit food in years. And I don't want it. But the allergy will bring me back to it. So anyway, I'm getting off track here. The main thing is for the young people, if you're here today, there's no mistakes. I was in the rooms in my 30s, but I couldn't get it. I didn't understand it. There was no, and I don't want to put vision above OA, old old meetings, but vision breaks things down in a way that I can understand every word. And I love it. And it, it brought me to recovery. So the renaissance of OA, this is a healthy OA meeting, as many people say. This is my meeting. This is, where I, this is where I found my initial recovery and my and then my next recovery and my next recovery. <laughs> I'm hoping to find my next recovery here, too. Thank you for letting me share. No mistakes. God is in charge. I pass. Thanks, Christina. Next up is Geneva P. followed by Tricia P., I believe. Good morning, everybody. I'm Geneva P. from Chicago. And um, what a good meeting. I've been... Uh, well, first of all, I just got my 18-year-old son, one and only, off to college. And I've been kind of, you know, going back to the food a little bit. And, you know, I'm like, I'm handling this fine. <laughs> like, I'm good. This is so exciting, um, you know, to have my home and, and he's happy at school. But it's interesting that, you know, I think there's some stuff underneath the surface. Um so I came in to 12-step at 29, but the food, you know, really started once I got some of my other addictions um, under, you know, like stable, um, stopped, the food just started to surface. And it's always been there. Um, I sought ease and comfort when I was a little girl growing up in an alcoholic home. And, you know, now I'm a 45-year-old woman, and I live close to my parents, and they're still in their disease. And I was thinking last night, I was having a quiet time, and the word admit, the first word in the 12 steps, admitted, came to me because I'm like, why can't other people get it? Why can they not get that they're killing themselves? They're 80. And I, so I looked up the word admit, and it is to confess the truth. And then there's the second definition is to allow to enter. And I just thought when I finally admitted that I am powerless, that's when I was allowed to enter this new life. But without admitting, I'm locked out. And without admitting, you know, my parents aren't going to get it. And it's not my job to force them to admit, even though I'd like to tie them down and, you know, make them admit. And so I'm just thinking, you know, that was my first miracle in this program, um, to, to make that confession of truth that I am a compulsive overeater and I'm a lot of other things too. But that, when I was touched by God and was able to understand the truth about me. And like somebody said, one too many blueberries, and, you know, something goes off in my head. 
Um, so I'm really grateful that I made this meeting. I'm on the road today, but there is hope. There is hope that, that good things are on the way for me today if I, for this one day, honor my abstinence. So that's all I've got. Thanks. Thank you, Geneva. And Trisha C. or P., uh, you got about two minutes to close okay, out the meeting it. for us. Thanks so much. This is Trisha C., uh, recovered compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. Uh, I want to, you know, sit on the peculiar mental tw mental twist like a few have already, but uh, this what this makes me think of, when I think of, I have a peculiar mental twist. So what does that tell me? That the problem centers in my mind rather than my body. And, you know, this is bad news. Like, why is this bad news for me? Well, because everything that I do and think and wonder and believe passes through my mind. So if this is telling me I have a mental twist, like that's, that's not great. That means everything I do in my life is going to be twisted, right? But for what? Like why, why do I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity? Well, guess what? The only thing that is going to be bigger than my mental twist is God. That's what this book tells me. This book tells me that I need a deep and effective spiritual experience. It tells me that the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is miraculous. Like, I need that. If I have a, like, if I have a leg twist, then what do I do? I go to the doctor and I get a cast and, you know, it has to be like supported. It has to be mended. It has to be, well, the way I the only way I know to address this mental twist is to align my will with God's align. It's going to get untwisted. And um, every day, every moment I need to do that, or I'm hurting myself and those around me, uh, hurting myself with food or uh, hurting others with my ego. Right? Like I, it's, um, but the hope is the beauty is that God is there for us. And uh, I choose today to turn toward God who is in the north and to turn away from food and myself, which is in the south. And I'm going to turn towards God and turn my back towards, towards those things. Uh, thanks, Russ. I pass. Thanks, Trisha. All right. Thank you to everybody that shared. Uh, please join us for our second unrecorded hour of study immediately after closing. Thank you for bearing with my technical issues. We'll work on it for next week. All right, today's share ID, Friday, October 7th, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 19,942-19942. And now I'm going to ask uh, Anne-Marie is going to pick the read page 164 for us, and then we'll pray, pray the serenity prayer. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm back again. Um, this is Amory M. in South Carolina, recovered compulsive eater through God's grace and working the 12 steps of our way. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do 
for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.